One man, one mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ, to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. Father, we thank you that you are with us, that if you are for us, nothing can be against us, Lord. We thank you that no matter what is going on out in this raging, crazy world, Lord, that you are with us. We thank you, Father, that you are the author and the finisher of our faith. We thank you, Lord, for the grace, Lord, that you said that you would never leave us or forsake us, that you are always with us, Lord, that we will not fear. Thank you, Holy Ghost, for equipping us to not fear, to believe, Lord, beyond anything that the enemy stirs in this world and confronts us with and tries to demoralize and take our faith, Lord. We call that a lie in the name of Jesus. And we just decree, Lord, that you have a vision, you have a plan for the world. You have a vision for the United States of America. And you have a vision, Lord, for this house. You have a vision for every person in this place, Lord. And we thank you, Lord for the grace, Lord, that you continue to flow like a river, Lord, that you are not stagnant, that you are always moving, Lord, then that you will always have a way to overcome. Lord, let this grace be upon every person in this place. Lord, and let the revelation of Christ, Lord, let the fullness of the kingdom Father, you, you said, the, the thing you said to the disciples, Lord, was seek ye first the kingdom. Father, I pray for the revelation that, that all the distraction, all the things, Lord, that have taken people away from the simplicity of trust in Christ, Lord. We break those lies in the name of Jesus and we decree we will seek your kingdom first and all things will be granted to us. All things will be poured out upon us, Lord. So, Father, in Jesus' name, let that grace come to the heart of every person in this place. Let every person be a dwelling place. Lord, the house of the Holy Ghost. Let the dove rest on the shoulder of every person in this house. Lord, awaken them to the supernatural. I pray for every person here to be a supernatural force of the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to talk to you about uh, the Holy Spirit. What else would I talk about, right? <laughs> Imagine that. Um, how many of you have been watching uh, what's going on around the country with uh, the protesting and everything that all the opposition and um, it's just a sad, you know, as Americans, we look and we're just like, wow, how can this happen in our country? And, um, you know, there's a lot going on behind the scenes, um, and I believe that uh, what is going to come out of this is going to be a, just a supernatural thing that the Lord is behind uh, exposing a whole bunch of junk. Um, but I believe the church is going to look a lot different when this is over, and you need to be prepared to be part of how that church is going to look and how it's going to flow, because the building is going to be the least, the, mo- the, the least important element of what you are in this new day. There's going to be a flow. There's going to be just this, this reach that the church has never had out of America, and I honestly believe that. But, uh, you know, how many of you have been following Sean Foyt and where he's been going um, to the different cities? Um, uh, my daughter called me one day a few months ago and has, says, hey, Sean Foyt's going to be in Portland. Can you, can you come? I'm like, okay, well, you know, my, my middle daughter, um, followed the steps of my oldest daughter, and she's now out at, uh, Redding, California, in the School of Supernatural Ministry out there. And so, um, they're only like five hours south of Portland. Um, and so my son-in-law and my middle daughter, they're not married. My son-in-law is married to my oldest daughter. But anyway, my son-in-law and my middle daughter called and said, hey, we're driving up. Can you meet us there? And so I said, all right, I'll get on a plane. I'll fly out. But here's the deal. If we go, we're going into the, into the 
darkest place of the city where they do the riots. And we're going to see where the Holy Spirit leads us because I believe that the Holy Ghost has an answer for the brokenness. And they said, all right, all right, we're with you. And so I get on a plane, I fly out there and um, I got there on a Friday. They weren't driving up till Saturday. And so, uh, you know, East Coast going to West Coast, I'm up very early in the morning on Saturday and I start to pray and I start asking the Lord, you know, where are we going? What are we doing? You know, I'm, I'm pretty pumped up. I want, I want the Lord to speak to me about a specific thing. And um, so the next thing that happens is the Lord gives me this vision and, and it's a very simple vision. He didn't tell me where to go. He just showed me this vision of three young men standing in front of another uh, young man. But the three young men were holding an empty nest. And that's the, the only thing the Lord showed me. And I'm like, what? What the? You know, and I, I'm, you know, I'm starting to ask the Lord questions. And I start asking about, you know, the bird in the nest. And, uh, you know, doves, doves make nests, right? And so, anyway, we'll get to the, I guess, the heart of what I'm going to talk to you about today here in a minute. But I start asking the Lord questions about where to go. And He doesn't, he doesn't answer me, but... I end up, I get in my car, I go down to uh, um, the courthouse in downtown Portland where all the riots and everything are, and I mean, it looks like a war zone. I mean, there's tents, they're, they're lined up around the courthouse with tents, they have the, the courthouse is all boarded, and what you do see, there's graffiti on all, you know, you walk around blocks and blocks and blocks around Portland, and it's spray painted, windows are out, I mean, top of the line businesses. Um, you know, I was going to get my wife a Louis Vuitton purse out there, but it was it was all boarded up, broken windows. But anyway, the point is that uh, I go out there, I'm walking around, I'm kind of looking. There's not too many people out. Everybody, I think, is in reprieve. It's early in the morning. It's probably about eight or nine o'clock in the morning, um, getting over what had happened the night before, you know, because they still every night they're still having riots out there. And um so I walk in, there's a park across from the, from the, from the courthouse. I walk in and I, I, uh, there, there's a, there's a, a, lo and behold, there's a Starbucks. So I go, I get myself a coffee and I go walk outside. I'm sitting down and all of a sudden I look across and there's a young man. You could tell that, uh, he's one of these people that are living in the, in the tents. Um, he's got a riot helmet. It actually has it sitting openly on the table, um, and he's sitting there, and he's, he just has his hands over his head. You, you could tell he was up most of the night, and all of a sudden, lo and behold, three men, three young boys, walk up to this guy, and they're, they're probably from here to the wall away from me, and I'm, I'm watching, and they're sitting there, and they're, they're, they're animated, and they're, you could tell they're witnessing to this guy. I mean, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the vision. This is the vision. But I knew in my heart that they were, they, the Lord, you know, the, the, having an empty nest in your hand is a symbol of you have, the, you have a housing of something, but something living is missing, right? And so I'm sitting there, and as this is transforming, the Lord starts to talk to me about trying to witness with an empty nest. And I'm standing there and I'm watching. This goes on for 20, 30 minutes and they get done with this guy. And you could tell that they were a little bit frustrated. They walk away from this, this young man that has the riot helmet there. And so I run up to him. I said, hey, you guys Christians? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did you know? I said, were you guys trying to witness to that guy? He goes, they go, yeah, yeah. I said, were you successful? He goes, nah, we weren't successful. And so I said, well, the Lord sent me here because all three of you guys have an empty nest. And they started to tell me that they're with this group. Um, it's kind of like YWAM. They actually send people all over the place. And it's, a, it's an organization that believes in discipling and um, ministry and um, sending people out to witness. But they don't necessarily believe in the equipping of the Holy Spirit. And so I start to talk to these young men. And uh, I said, I said, uh, do you know the Holy Spirit? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, we know about that. And, and at the end of it, the end of the conversation, they really didn't know about the Holy Spirit is the punchline. And I said, well, the Lord sent me here to speak to specifically you three, that he wants you to have a, a witness of power 
and not a fruitless witness. Because if you're trying to convince people philosophically about Jesus, that's not witnessing the kingdom of heaven. Because the kingdom of heaven is about love and power. It's about the supernatural reaching into a person's life and to be able to reach into their heart and turn from the inside what you cannot do philosophically to try to convince them about the Bible. Jesus never said to to send anybody out and try to convince them about the Bible. In fact, in the book of Acts, they didn't even have a Bible. All they had was the Holy Ghost. All they, they valued the Holy Ghost so much that they had this nest that they had to actually walk g- very gently to make sure that that dove was always protected, was always with them. And when they were going to witness, they waited for the dove to go land on people. And it was the dove who witnessed Christ. It was supernatural. It wasn't a philosophical trying to convince a person about Jesus. It was, I know this guy. I know this supernatural lover of men called Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit is here to equip you, to reveal himself to you. And when the dove lands on another person, do you ever see somebody shake under the power of the Holy Ghost? Do you ever see somebody weep when they receive a prophetic word that speaks to their heart, right? That's the witness of the power of the Holy Ghost. And I said, you know, at the end of it, Ten minutes later, they're all praying in tongues. Oh, what's that? Oh, my God. What? Oh, I never felt that before. Kyo, ma, ma, ma. They're all in the park, right? I mean, I said, all right, now the Holy Spirit is going to start speaking to you. And the guy goes, I got a vision. I mean, it was just, it was crazy. They're all activated just like that. I said, now you ask the Holy Spirit how to go speak to this person and you go witness to them. And when you go, you're not going to have to try to convince them. All you're going to do is pray for them and the Holy Ghost is going to convince them. That's the difference between fruitless, religious, dead Christianity and the power of the Holy Ghost. Are you with me? You see, Jesus was so adamant. He was so adamant. Do not leave this city. Luke 24, verse 49. Do not leave this city until I send the Holy Spirit. Jesus, think about this. Jesus goes through all this trouble to carry the sin of the world. He goes to the cross. He takes sin to the grave. And in the process, he actually had to trust that the Holy Spirit was going to resurrect him. If Jesus had to trust that the Holy Spirit was going to resurrect him, where was the value of Christ in the relationship with the Holy Spirit? Was it just a bolt-on, add-on option like most Christian churches teach? No, no, it was a centerpiece because although Jesus did all this work, He takes sin to the grave, He's in the tomb of death. If the Holy Spirit didn't come and breathe life back into Christ, it's all fruitless. It's all fruitless without the Holy Ghost. And so Jesus is resurrected from the grave by the power of the Holy Spirit. He ascends. He walks on the earth for 40 days. He ascends into heaven. And right before he ascends into heaven, he goes, hey, you know how I valued the Holy Spirit? How I had to depend and trust? And actually, it says in Romans 8.11, it says that Jesus Christ was raised by the Holy Ghost. He goes, you know how I I had to do that? I had to trust in the Holy Spirit? So shall you. Do not leave this city until I send the power of the Holy Ghost. Because although you believe in me, you've actually walked in me, you're, you're holding a nest, but it's empty. It's empty without the Holy Ghost. Don't waste your time trying to be like those Pharisees. They have an empty house. Nothing's living in it. Nothing's living in it. And I want you to wait here. I'm going to send upon you the promise of the Father, the presence of the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost, how it rests on you, how you rely on it, how He trusts you and you trust Him will depend on your heart. It will depend on the will and your expectation in the Spirit Himself as to how you actually value recognizing that you have a nest Right? You have an opportunity that heaven will rest on you. And it requires a heart that is so dependent and sensitive to the flow and the move of the Holy Spirit that you don't want this dove, number one, to never land. And number two, if he does land, 
to resist or um, inhibit or, or push away the dove in any fashion. You've got to be so sensitive to the dove because it's the dove that is the witness. You're a willing vessel, right? And so this relationship, you know, this messed me up, man. I mean, I go the whole way to Portland and I've got some more stories I'll tell you here in a minute, but I go the whole way to Portland and this is the story of my life. This is what the Lord does, has done with me ever since I fell in love with the Holy Ghost. I learned I could read everything about the Holy Ghost I could read and I started praying in tongues for hours a day because I believed in spiritual prayer so much and the Lord started revealing Himself to me and started giving me visions, started giving me dreams, prophecy. All that stuff happened out of that spiritual relationship and spiritual prayer in the Holy Ghost. And when, when that happened... He sent, he, all he did was, you know, I want to go, I want to go to the, to the unbeliever because the unbelievers really don't bite, right? When the unbeliever, when the unbeliever receives the power of the Holy Ghost, they get up there literally, they have no religious doctrine to get over. They have no limitations. They have no false beliefs. All they know is they got touched by this living God. They get up, they run down the street and they start to testify of the one who caused them to fall on the ground, shake under the power of the Holy Spirit. They get up and suddenly they're changed. But religious people, you see, religious people have this connotation that all I have to do is I have to run to the altar and say, I believe in Jesus and I can go live my life my own way. Never even really being sensitive to the fact that they have this nest. You are this nest that the dove has an opportunity to land on. But by your own decision, you can actually live your life holding an empty nest. And the Lord never intended for anybody to live their life holding an empty nest. He actually gave a command. It wasn't an optional command. He said, stay here. I'm going to send upon you the Holy Ghost. So the only issue between you and holding the Holy Spirit is your heart saying, I need the Holy Ghost. It can't be that simple, can it? <laughs> but yet us religious people, we make it so complicated in the church. About where we go, what we do, who we interact with, all the problems that happen in, in, inside and out. And at the end of the day, the Holy Ghost is saying, why don't you worry that much about whether or not I'm sitting in the nest that you're equipped with? Amen? <clears throat> you see, what if, what if our pastors, what if our pastors were so sensitive and revelatory about the Holy Spirit that they would not let you up out of the water unless you came up praying in tongues, unless you came up prophesying. You see, if I, if I had a church, like, well, let me tell you this. Ron can witness, when I had, I had a group called M, M Life, I'd have 100, 150 people on Friday nights down in Parkersburg, West Virginia about 10 years ago. And before that, I would have 20, 30, 40 people in my basement. And if you walk through my door, that gave me free reign to equip you with the Holy Ghost. If you walk through my house, you are going to get the Holy Ghost. That was my mission. I love the Holy Ghost. I had such a revelation that all this written stuff, all this Bible, that's a, that's a lot of cool stuff. But if you didn't have the Holy Ghost, you're wasting your time. Because if they came through my house, how many people left my house not praying in tongues? I'd say a goose egg. In fact, come up here. Come up here. What? Tell, tell them about, was it your daughter or your nephew that came into my basement? It was your daughter. That's right. She got filled with the Holy Ghost. She starts praying in tongues. She laid on the ground. She was out. She was laughing in the Holy Ghost. They had to carry her to the car. She laughed the whole way back up here, which is like two hours, right? Drunk in the Holy Ghost. That happened to everybody that came into my house. And I'm here to tell you that if you love the Holy Ghost like that, anybody who comes into your circle, 
should be baptized in the Holy Ghost, praying in tongues, filled, overflowed. Oh no, you want baptized? You say you believe in Jesus? Oh, you came to the altar? Oh, that's all nice. But here, I'm going to hold you under. I'm going to dunk you. I'm going to pull you up. Are you praying yet? Show my, my, my soul. Oh, oh, you're not praying. Dunk them back again. Oh, Lord, fall on them. Fall on them. Dunk them back again. Oh, oh, the guy's praying in tongues. Okay, now you're going to prophesy. What's the vision of the Lord? What's the vision of the Lord? You pull them up. And once they're shaken, they're so undone that they know that their religious walk with Christ is not about some philosophical, gushy, feel-good blah. It's about this supernatural force of the Holy Ghost that is the transforming force that actually changes a person, and you need to stay under that water until you come up breathing, eating, sleeping the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost! I have my nest out. What are you saying here today? What are you saying? Who's around me? Who's around me that needs the Holy Ghost? Come on. Where am I going? Who, who needs the power? Who needs deliverance? Who needs a demon cast out of them? Who's dealing with depression? Send me because I got the Holy Ghost. You see, people that have an empty nest, they sit back here in the corner like this. Uh, uh, I'm just going to go to church on Sunday. I'm just going to get through the day and going to have a feel good on Sunday, check the box, get through the routine, feel good Sunday worshipers. And then they go through the rest of the week. They don't know the Holy Spirit. They actually sit back and shake and fear, depression, anxiety. But you know what? People that got filled with the Holy Ghost, they know that they have the power of heaven behind them and they just start praying. They start preaching. They start asking the Lord, finding somebody to get filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, that's, I know that's how the Lord sent me to India. I begged, I would beg. When I say beg, I would lay on the floor. In 2015, I said, I got to a point inside of the church I was in, and I said, Lord, if this is it, I can't go back into the same place doing the same thing with nothing new. Send me. I gotta go. You got, I gotta go. I started begging the Lord to send me. And that's when he, that's when he came to me in a dream and sent me to India. And since that time, I've preached to over 150,000 Hindus. I've seen the blind see. I've seen the deaf hear. I've seen 5,000 pastors who walked in the door not praying in tongues. And I wouldn't let them out of the door. I'd hold them under and say, pray, pray. I hold them up. Hold, point, and they start prophesying. And that's a metaphor. That's a, that's, I didn't physically do that. I'm, I'm, saying, I'm saying that you came in here trying to think that you're going to go through some normal Indians, you know, stand up, sit down, and we're going to get into the deep philosophical aspects of the Bible. And I said, no, no, you got fooled, dude. I brought you here to get you filled with the Holy Ghost. And then we start to pray, and things supernatural start to happen. And all of a sudden, these pastors, they come in under Baptist theology. They come in under Catholic theology. They come in under Lutheran theology. And I say, no, 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 it's about the Holy Ghost. And they start to, we start to pray. And then they start to pray. Oh, what is this? And they start to know the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen? You see, that's a picture. That's a picture of people who are so sensitive to the dove. They value the dove so much that everybody around you your heart is that they would, would hold on to the dove and value the dove with such a purpose and intent, such a love. You, you, lo- you love the dove so much that you're sensitive to the direction and where you're going, how the dove is trying to lead you and who the dove wants to land on next. It wasn't my intention to go to Toledo, Ohio. You've ever been to Toledo, Ohio? There's not much to talk about in Toledo, Ohio in terms of, yeah, I just, I love to go to Toledo, Ohio. But the Lord started giving me dreams. He gave me a specific dream about Toledo. And when I got a job offer to come to Toledo a month later, I didn't hesitate. Shelly didn't hesitate. She knows I'm crazy. She knows that when the Lord speaks, she might as well not even waste her time that we're going. If he's crazy enough to get on an airplane and go all the way around the world multiple times a year to India to crazy places. If he says to go to Toledo, you're going to Toledo. And she, she just, she's, she, at this point, she's drunk in the Holy Ghost. She's just like, yeah, I'm going, I guess we're going to Toledo. She, oh, my mama say, amen. <laughs> no, I'm serious. She used to kick and stream, but now she just prays in the Holy Ghost and we are on the same page, man. 
Whatever the Holy Ghost says, right, Shell? But it's important that um, it's important that you realize why the Lord is emphasizing the Holy Spirit in this moment in time, because the Holy Spirit is is in in essence the kingdom of God. It is the pathway and the doorway between the realm of heaven and the realm of earth. This is a temporary place. The third heaven where the realm of, of our God is, is forever. And this world is connected to the place of, called hell that is forever also. Right? And the reason that the Holy Spirit is so important and so valuable is that He is the doorway between the kingdom. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom and all things will be granted unto you. How many people do you know that their interpretation of seek ye first the kingdom is read more, study more, try to be a better Christian, try to be a better, a good person. That's that's religious jargon. That's a joke. Okay? That is an absolute joke. Jesus said the, the kingdom is connected to the Spirit. The Spirit is the doorway that opens the realm of heaven and gives you all access. Jesus, didn't Jesus say this? He said, pray this way. Our, our, our Father in heaven, our kingdom come, our will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Right? So He actually said to pray for the revelation and the aspect of bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. So if he said to pray that way, don't you think that's pretty important? Right? Is that how you pray? People say, well, how do you pray that way? You know how I pray that way? And the next thing you know, the Lord starts giving vision. There's three young boys who are trying to do the right thing. They have empty nests. They need the dove. All right, Lord, I'm there, baby. Amen? Is that how you pray? Is that how you wait on the Lord? Or do you go to the Lord with a list of what you think you want and what you think you need trying to infuse your will on the earth instead of trying to find the will of the Lord and releasing the will of the kingdom of heaven on earth? You see, a lot of our own frustration in our religious processes are really self-condemning, self-degrading, self-purposed. And the Lord says, no, no, I want you to simply come to me as a child. I want you to pray in my heavenly language and I will speak to you. I will reveal to you the will I want for your life and for the people around you. And I will send you to take them and impart the value of the dove in their life the same way that you value the dove. Well, people say, well, I got filled with the Holy Ghost 10 years ago and I never have a vision. I never have a prophecy well, do you think that's the problem of the Holy Ghost? Or do you think you have something to do with that? Listen, the Scripture says that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. You will dream dreams. You will have visions. 1 Corinthians 12 says that He lists all the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Words of knowledge. Wisdom. Prophecy. Tongues. Interpretation of tongues. Right? It's not like He said, Oh, I don't like this guy over here. He got filled with the Holy Ghost, but I'm going to hold back from him. No, 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 no. It's actually trusting and searching and seeking the Holy Spirit, expecting the Holy Spirit to speak no matter where you're at. And as you learn the voice of the Holy Ghost, everything changes because your life becomes spirit-focused instead of trying to look religious. Amen? <clears throat> you see, why is that so important in the time that we're in? Because you thought America was this great, amazing, easy place to live in. And then all of a sudden, overnight, overnight, you've got BLM, Black Lives Matter. And don't get me wrong, I am all for, I, I love people. I don't care what color you are. There's no, there's no race in the kingdom. But if you study BLM, BLM is birthed by three witches out of California. It's satanic. They pray to the dead. They actually bring spiritual direction from their 
their witchcraft practices into where they're going and what they're doing. So you know what? BLM is actually prophetic. And the Lord is actually using this whole thing to reveal what's underneath the surface of America. Amen? You are in a war between two kingdoms. And you are dealing with an intelligent force. And if you think that you're just going to sit there and read your Bible without hearing the voice of God, you're fooled. Look, turn to your neighbor and tell him, you're fooled if you're just going to sit there and read your Bible and think you're all religious, right? Everything's good. I don't need to hear it. No, no. The Lord sends people the power of the Holy Spirit because He recruits people to be in His army. If you hear the voice of God, you have the whole army of the Lord behind you. You think I go to India thinking, do you think I walk over there like this? With a swagger? Because it's me? This, I'm, this is Dave Cup, and I'm in the house, man. Huh? You think, no. Dude, I get off the plane, dude, sometimes I'm shaking. I've, they've taken me to, to some bad places. I'm, I'm, I, get, I get out of the car, and I don't even know if I'm going to be able to stand up in front of a couple thousand people or 5,000 people. And I'm, my knees are shaking because I know they're, some of these are radical Hindus who literally beat Christians in the street. But... Somehow the presence of the Lord, the power of the Holy Ghost always changes the situation. Because if I have the vision of the Lord, everything changes. Amen? And so the clash between two kingdoms is so important to understand. I'm going to read you a scripture and I'm going to explain a couple of things to you. This is uh, Matthew 16, starting with verse 13. And when they came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, Jesus asked the disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am? The Son of Man? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, the others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Jesus said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will have already been loosed in heaven. The back end of that scripture, that whenever you pray, whenever you get the vision of the Lord, it's already accomplished. So whenever you get the vision, whatever you bind on earth has already been bound. Whatever you loose on earth has already been loosed. So when you're praying for a person, the Lord gives you a vision for a person, it's already, it is already, it is already happened. It's not if the power of vision, and the Lord says the why He will restore His vision is to re- release the kingdom on earth. So the connection piece is your relationship with the Holy Spirit knowing and trusting that when He gives you vision for people individually, praying for people in any region or area, that if you get the vision, it's going to happen. It's not if we don't understand the timing and everything of the Lord. Some things are instant, some things are a year, some things are five years. But if you get the vision, it will manifest. That's the power of believing in the vision of the Lord. And the reason why Jesus connects the power of vision and prophecy to this statement in the revelation of who Christ is is because as they were walking in this region, He wasn't just talking to Peter in the revelation of the rock. They were walking through a region called Caesarea Philippi. It's where Mount Hermon is. Mount Hermon, if you read the book of Enoch, is where all the fallen angels came down. Okay, And when the fallen angels came down, they, there's, um, at the mouth of Mount Hermon is a place where they worship the Greek god Pan, right? The Greek god Pan, the connection to the Greek god Pan in today's world is the Baphomet. You know what the Baphomet is? The Baphomet is the statue of Satan. It's, it has both um, male and female, uh, you know, sexual equipment, we'll call it, um, but it's, it's a representation of the same thing that was worshipped during the time of the fallen angels on Mount Hermon. 
Okay? And you say, well, all that stuff went away. Oh, really? You see, at Mount Hermon is where King Og, whenever, whenever, whenever Moses and the Israelites, before they crossed into the Promised Land, they had to fight King Og, who was a, who was a giant. He was a product of the angels marrying women. Right? That's what the Bible says. And these giants were supernatural. They were both man and angelic. They, were, they, they, they had abilities that were supernatural. And you all know the story of David, right? David was called to take down giants. You are called to take down giants. And the reason why this story is so important is that whenever Jesus was walking through the very place where the fallen angels came down, where they worshiped the Greek god Pan and they sacrificed child after child after child after child after child. They sacrificed the children. What's coming awake right now in America? The revelation of what is actually happening in those abortion clinics. You think that they're just aborting those babies? No, no, they're taking those babies and they're using them in their sacrificial practices. And America is just now becoming awake to the reality that, oh my gosh, Caesarea Philippi is not dead. It's actually happening behind the scenes in our nation. In our nation. And when those children are sacrificed and the pedophilia is accepted, Y'all know the the California law that was just passed this week? Sickening. Absolutely sickening. But the Lord is awakening a remnant of people who will walk in the power of the Holy Ghost and can recognize the giants of the land who still worship the Greek god Pan, who still worship at the mouth of Caesarea Philippi and are ready to take down those giants. Because Jesus purposely went to this place. He wasn't just talking to Peter. He says, upon the, he turns to Peter, who am I? Who am I? He asked him, no, who, am, who do you say I am? And Jesus says, upon this rock. And yeah, you can reference, you can look at that scripture and say, well, Peter means rock. Yeah, Peter means rock. But the only way Peter became a rock is to know the rock. He knew the rock called Christ. And you know what Jesus purposely did? He was prophesying the clash between two kingdoms. He was prophesying the fact he purposely took his disciples to the very place where the demonic powers, the the angelic forces of darkness, decided to come out of heaven, rebel against God, and land on Mount Hermon. He went there on purpose. And he said, they think they own this rock. They think they will worship and abort children and sacrifice the children and be a pedophile to these children in this place. And I'm telling you that I am the rock. I am the rock. Jesus is saying, I am the living water that that flows out of heaven. I am the rock. And upon this rock, he's actually saying, now I am the rock, but I'm prophesying that this rock, Mount Hermon, I will build my church. He's saying Mount Hermon as a reference that no power of darkness coming on any place on earth has power over the kingdom of heaven. And he's saying that I will build my church on the very place that Satan lands. People say, why do you go to India? You can, just, you can just minister here. Why do you go to these dark places? Why did you have to get on a plane to go to Portland in the midst of Antifa and BLM? You know, somehow, somehow, this is kind of a crazy story, but me and my son-in-law are out there on Saturday night. We get asked to be the guard, the people guarding the stage on the left side of the stage. You guys saw what happened to uh, Sean Foyt in Seattle? The Satanists, they, they all converge on the place. They pour in glue and they're chanting in the background. That was happening at Portland. Me, me and my son-in-law are standing on the left side of the stage and there's like a hundred BLM Antifa, full-blown Satanists. They have microphones. They're, they're chanting on the side. And Sean, the Sean Foyt's crew is just bringing it, dude. And the people are getting louder and louder and louder. And the, and the, and the revelation of the thing is there is a clash between two kingdoms. 
They have been under the surface for decades in America. They have people in government. They are trying to actually turn America completely over to the demonic forces. And if you connect the part, I don't know if you like Trump or not, but I'm here to tell you, Trump is a prophetic siren sent by the Lord to actually release the kingdom of heaven on this earth. The tables in America are going to be turned because when you take a man like Trump, how does the world, does the Lord take a man like Trump and Trump says, I am going to stop pedophilia. I am going to stop abortion. I am no longer going to fund abortion in this America. Do you not think that that is the essence of Christ? He is not money hungry. He is not after a buck. He's not after a dollar. He says he's not even taking pay as a president of the United States. And he's saying he's the words of Christ. He doesn't even know the words of Christ are being uttered out of his mouth. Upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And what's going to happen in America is an awakened church that is so connected to the dove. They're walking around so, so like in love with the dove waiting for the voice of God. And when the voice of God is released in their life, the revelation, they become like Peter. Jesus turns back to Peter. And not only he says, will the gates of hell will not prevail against this place. He turns back to Peter and he says, you are a rock because you are in me. I am the rock. You are a rock, Peter. I will build my church. So there's a metaphor of not only building the church at a place, taking over the earth. He's actually using a man to become a force of the presence of Almighty God where the dove rests upon a man so powerfully that you walk into cities, you walk into places and supernatural things happen. No longer are you just waiting to get up on Sunday and come to the house of God. You are the house of God. Maybe I have to repeat myself. No longer do you have to wake up to come to the house of God. You are the nest where the Holy Ghost rests. Where the dove sent from heaven, it has the appearance of innocence, but it is powerful. It actually cuts down demonic powers. It seeks them out, looks to drive them out of people, drive out depression, drive out hopelessness, get them baptized in the Holy Ghost. In such love with the, with the dove that you have to take it to people. The church has been asleep. And I believe the Lord is using this whole thing to awaken His dead church. Willing for decades to get up out of bed on Sunday, walk in, and they got a couple guys like Steve and Tabby, some good worship leaders. They can take them into the presence of God. Everybody looks like, yeah, I believe in Jesus. And they leave the place powerless dead Christians, willing to let abortion, willing to let pedophilia, willing to let it all happen in their neighborhoods. You see, when, you, when the dove rests on you, he doesn't let you rest. You may find rest in the dove, but he will drive you to release him to the earth. He will drive you to send you to nations, to send you to cities, to take you to places where the dead Christian won't go because they're, laying, they're willing to lay in their bed all the days of the week except on Sunday when they go in and look their part. You're not looking your part, are you? You just don't wake up in the morning to look your part on Sundays, do you? Scared to death? Hey, it's okay to feel fear. I feel fear. I told you, I get off the plane sometimes, my knees are shaking. But you know what? I drive deeper into the Holy Ghost. Every time I feel that feeling, I know that that's not coming from inside of me because the kingdom of heaven is inside of me. That's the oppression of my enemy coming to confront me because of what I'm about to do to drive out demons, to heal the sick, to raise the dead. Amen? You see, I believe Jesus is restoring judgment to the church. You've heard, you've sat in churches all your life, especially you, you guys that have grown up in those backwood country churches. Don't judge lest you be judged. And you know what that did? That in an evil, demonic fashion took your ability to think and perceive and discern in the Holy Ghost completely away from you. And a man who has his ability to trust the Holy Spirit removed from him because he defaults 
to a doctrine. Don't judge. Don't judge. You know what Jesus did every time he had a vision? Jesus said this. He goes, I only do what I see my father doing. Right? John chapter 6. Which meant he lived his life having the vision of the Lord come upon him. And when he went into cities because the Father sent him to a woman one time, to a man, to a woman in a sickbed, to 5,000. When he went, he went in the vision of the Lord and transformed it because he believed the vision. Religion can't do it. It's fake. It's dead. It goes through motions. It goes through motions. And I think one of the most troubling things that I experience when I go into churches is realizing how many people have experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but yet don't center their life around the dove and walk through the streets with that dove so sensitive. Because there's two different things, guys. Your salvation in the kingdom of heaven, it says, is within you. But there's an anointing that rests on you. The anointing rests on you is for the people of the earth. You're calling to go forth and conquer in the supernatural power of the Holy Ghost. And a lot of people, a lot of churches I go into, people have experienced the Holy Spirit, but they don't value the dove. And that is such a disheartening thing. And it's all around theology that limits people in their love affair with the Holy Spirit. Jesus called you all to love the Holy Ghost, to value the Holy Ghost so intently, so purposely. Your whole world is centered around the Holy Ghost. And you've heard me say this before, but I don't actually pick up the Bible until the Holy Spirit takes me to a scripture because he wants to reveal something with me. Because I'm afraid of developing understanding or perception that is beyond the Holy Spirit. I want to wait for the Holy Spirit in the right time, in the right place, with the right message for the right people. Jesus said the sons of God will be led by the Spirit of God. Right? Romans 8. So, are you getting the picture? You see, there's two kingdoms, guys. There's two kingdoms, and the war between those two kingdoms is so real The people who are blinded and imprisonment of the darkness are dependent on people like you to take them the dove. And if you don't take them the dove, what happens? What happens? What happens if you don't take people the dove? They die. Spiritually dead. I don't care if they sat in church all their life. If you don't know the dove, Jesus said this, there will be those who prophesy in My name and even cast out devils in My name, but I'll say, depart from Me. I do not know you. It's about knowing the Holy Spirit. You see, people are dependent on you. So, After that experience with the three young men in Portland, they get filled with the Holy Ghost, they pray in tongues, they get lit up in the Holy Spirit. We start walking. We start walking through the street. Where are you sending us, Lord? Who's next? And we, after about an hour later, we get down um, just right below the courthouse on the backside near the river. And we're in the center of the street. And all of a sudden, we look up and they're screaming up at the next intersection. People screaming, ah, and, and, and all of a sudden cop cars appear out of nowhere. The lights are on. Um, they've got the whole, we're, we start walking. We're like, all right, baby, it's on. Something's going to happen, right? So we start walking up to this intersection. And when we get up to this intersection, we see several cop cars that have the, the road blocked and the cops have this completely naked 20-something-year-old girl. She's screaming, and she's, she's doing her protest thing in the middle of the intersection, in the middle of downtown Portland. And the cops, she's screaming. She's trying to get, uh, get uh, uh, you know, the cops off her. The cops are trying to get, the, get her into the cop car. So, I mean, she's butt naked, man. And across, across the road, 
um, at the other at, at the um, corner, exactly opposite us, was a was a young. Well, I'm going to say thirty something year old guy. He was protesting with her. He had his pants down to his ankles, but he chickened out. And the cops were so um, they were so focused on the the naked girl and trying to get the naked girl into the cop car that they didn't even see him. Well, Derek and I. And my daughter, we're, we're looking and we're like, wow, man, I never saw anything like this, right? And um, the next thing I know, um, this guy, he has his pants pulled up and he's jaywalking corner to corner right across. And he's, he's walking on a beeline for me. He's saying, you're a hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. And he's got my attention at this point because he's halfway across. And I don't know if he's coming with, you know, if he's going to start pulling out a club or what. But he's going, you're a hypocrite. And the cops, you know, they're, they're still focused on the girl. They don't even know this guy's coming at me. And Derek and I are standing there. And uh, this guy gets up to us. And he goes, you're a hypocrite. I saw you up there in the middle of the courtyard claiming that Jesus Christ is real. And you didn't even go to try to save that girl. I said, dude, I'm like, how, how the heck can I go save that girl? She's naked in the street and they're putting her in a cop car. He goes, well, why don't you care about her? And anyway, this guy is just angry. He is mad at the world, right? And we try, we start to get him calmed down. And all of a sudden, my son-in-law, Derek, he looks at him and he says, do you deal with an issue in your stomach? Do you have an ulcer? And the kid, the, the guy, he's, he's probably 32, 33. He stops. He goes, how'd you know that? He pulls his backpack off. He's got like, what's that uh, ulcer medicine? What Zantac, whatever. He goes, yeah. He goes, I lay awake half the night every night. I have extreme anxiety. Da, da, da. And the next thing you know, we start to pray for this guy. This guy's on his knees. We're driving the spirit of fear out of this guy. This guy gets, he starts to shake. He goes, what's that? I said, that's the Holy Ghost. And he, he goes, I, I believe in Jesus because I haven't felt peace like this for years. He goes, what do I do? And we, we led this guy. He started like two minutes. She, oh, mama, so He's standing in the middle of the street. He's standing in the middle of the street. The cops, the cops at this point are watching us. And seeing the guy that was with this girl sitting there going, Shio, ma, 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 sombrea. There's a guy in a big F-150 pickup truck beside us. And he's going, yeah, yeah, Jesus is real. Jesus is real. He goes, he goes, thank you for coming to our city. Because five years ago, this didn't exist in our city. And we are so sorry. We are concerned for our city. We need to have people like you come to our city. And that's a heart cry. There's two heart cries. There's the heart cry of the common man, but there's the heart cry of the broken man. You see, that guy had so much hope. He saw me prophesying over those three young men who were powerless without the dove, without the Holy Spirit. And he, he said, he goes, I watched you for 20 minutes. And he goes inside of me. He goes, I was hoping you would pray for me. I needed you to pray for me. And somehow, some way, the Lord knew that kid's heart somehow and positioned him and used his anger to come out in a a crazy situation of nakedness. And the next thing you know, this guy, this young, this this 30-year-old guy, he's sitting going, he's weeping. He is weeping under the presence of God in the middle of the street, praying in the Holy Ghost. He goes, what is this? What is this? This is real. This is the kingdom of heaven. He goes, can I follow you guys? Can I come with you? The guy followed us up until the Sean Foyt concert. He saw all the other stuff happen that night. And we're standing there before Sean Foyt starts singing. And he's asking us all kinds of questions. And one thing leads to another about this kid's dad. He was angry at at his dad. Long story short, he hadn't talked to his dad for years. I said, what's, what's your dad's phone number? He dials his dad's phone number. We talked him through it. He told his dad he's sorry. He's weeping in the middle of Portland Park. Hours ago, angry at the world, in the midst of the Antifa BLM rage against America. And suddenly what is inside of him is this brokenness that just needs the love of God. And he gets totally like wrecked 
The guy will never, ever be the same again. He forgave his dad. He gets filled with the Holy Ghost. Crazy. I mean, how does that happen? But that's the dove, guys. That is the dove. And I just, I just want to, you know, can you, get the, can you get the importance of what the Lord is talking to you about with the dove? And I've just, I've just, this has just messed me up, man. He sends me to Portland. And the thing he said that is most important is that the people don't, the people that are even willing to be my witness don't have the power. They don't know the dove. The dove is the centerpiece of the kingdom of God on earth. It is Christ, the hope of glory. It is his heart on earth. The dove. And so I'm praying, I'm asking, I mean, for the last weeks, I'm, I'm just, man, it just messed me up. And so the Lord, I had a dream the other night, and in this dream, I'm standing in a hallway, and I'm shackled. I have my, my hands uh, handcuffed, my feet are in shackles, I have pinstripes on, I know I'm a prisoner. And all of a sudden, I feel, I feel this bag go over my head. And, you know, people grab me by the arms, and they walk me down the hall, and I can tell they're, the key, they're opening a prison door take me in and they sit me on a chair and I hear the prison door lock behind me. And all of a sudden, I feel the bag come off my head. And what I see is the, the, the prison cell is filled with angels. All the angels that the Lord sent to, to reveal to me and introduce and speak and give me things, they're all there. And sitting on my shoulder is a dove. And the dove looks at one of the angels and one of the angels is holding this syringe and it, and it says the mystery on it. And the angel hands the dove this, this uh, syringe titled mystery. And the, the dove takes the syringe, puts it in my heart and begins to release the mystery into my heart. And the Lord took me to the Scripture. I mean, this, this has messed me up here for, for the last couple of weeks. Ephesians 3, verse 1 through 6, it says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we don't actually know what that means to literally give your life, to die, for, to, to be um, alive only for the kingdom, only for the purpose of Christ, to be, a, to be an actual prisoner of Christ. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ, if indeed you have heard the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge of the mystery of Christ. And he goes on to talk about the people receiving and being heirs of Christ. He's talking about the mystery. And he's talking about people being so undone in the Holy Ghost that you literally are a prisoner of Christ. That you will endure the brokenness. That you will endure imprisonment. Do you ever read, do you ever read about Paul? Paul was shipwrecked three times. He actually went into churches, synagogues. They beat him 39 times, 39 lashes, five times. In the Jewish law, they couldn't whip him 40 times because 40 was known to kill a man. He was beaten Within his inch of his life, five times, shipwrecked, overnight, all these crazy things. He talks about being robbed. He ta talks about enduring for the kingdom to bring people the power of the Holy Ghost. And I just, I believe in this, this next awakening, this next, this great awakening that's going to happen in our nation is that there are people who will literally be prisoners of Christ. That you won't just be one of these people that wake up on Sunday and says, I think I'm going to go to church today. I even think I like the presence of the Lord. That's cool. But I haven't really given my life. I haven't really said that I'm going to do and, and, and value the dove to such a degree that the dove is going to rest on my shoulder. The dove is literally going to rest on my shoulder and because I value the dove so much who holds that syringe called the mystery of the kingdom, somehow, some way, you can impart to people that same impartation that as you gave your life to Christ, willing to go anywhere, to do anything, to give to the people the brokenness, those people on the streets who are, 
who are, they're in rage. They appear to be in rage. That's the thing. These people that are, that are, that are going through the streets and riding, they're in rage. But inside of them, you heard Steve, he was getting out, trying to get a heart cry out of you, but there is a heart cry coming out of them and it's coming out in the form of rage because they have no other way. They have no other angle, no connection point to the peace of Christ. And they're waiting for prisoners. They're waiting for prisoners of Christ who literally lay down their own agenda and go where the Lord tells them to go, do what the Lord tells them to do, to give what the Lord tells them to give. That's what makes the army of the Lord. Not just good hot services. It's a heart given so sensitive to the dove that the dove actually becomes a force. Will you let the dove be a force on the earth? You see, it's not that the dove doesn't want to come arrest on you. It's only because, and I don't know where all you're at in life, but if the dove doesn't rest on you and lead you, it's because maybe you have an empty nest. Some of you guys had some hot encounters. I know you had hot encounters. And I'm not here to argue that. And this is, this, is, this is a hard message, but what I'm, what I'm after is your life. Christ is after your life. You think that fake thing where you ran to the altar and had some tears is the end of it all? Jesus said this, He said, whoever desires to save their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Where are you at with that? This is a dying world. And I can't believe that there's not more of you that the Lord has a call on your life that wants to send you into the darkest, deepest places of the earth. That's a lie. I'm just a, I'm just a minion. I was a minion. Dude, I, was a, I shook in front of people. You can ask my wife. In my 20s, I got up to stand in front of people and I used to shake. Literally. Sweat roaring, pouring down my face. I was afraid to speak to people. But somehow, when I got baptized in the Holy Ghost... It all changed. All the fear, all the anguish, all the pain. So I know you come in here. I know you come in here. And this is a cool group. You got a cool thing going on here. But I feel like I've been given a license by the Lord to come ask you for your life. Will you go? Whom shall I send and who will go for me? Will you go? Will you go for me? Whom shall I send and who will go for me? This is a sobering message, huh, guys? Because if the, the, the false representation in the church has been that the dove is a bolt-on action option. It's like you're going up to buy a new Cadillac and you're trying to decide do you want the full-blown leather on the dash and everything else or do you just want the base model? You see, that's the fallacy in the fake church. Paul's talking about being a prisoner. He says, I was shipwrecked. I was beaten within my life. And along come these false apostles who misrepresent my church. The church of Christ. The true church. The church that was birthed on the day of Pentecost when, they, when the dove came upon them and led them throughout the earth. They shook the world. Amen? Is there anybody here that would rededicate their life to the dove. I don't care if you've had great experiences before, but I'm talking about giving your life. Truly giving your life. Because this region isn't going to be shaken just because you guys come in and have some hot services. So will you give Him your life? Just stand up with me. Say this. Say, Holy Spirit. I repent in every way that I've neglected you. I repent in every way that I saw myself powerless. And that I made myself appear to be righteous. I'm deciding today to give you my life, to give you my heart. All of those BLM people, all of those Antifa people. Right now, I pray for them, Lord. I pray for the brokenness that's in their hearts. 
that it would be removed in the name of Jesus. And that the power of the Holy Ghost would come upon them. I pray, Father, your kingdom to come. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Holy Spirit, I repent in every way that I've neglected you. In every way that I've not been sensitive to you. I repent. I hold out my nest. And I ask you to come. Make me sensitive to the move of the Spirit. Awaken me with dreams and visions. Give me the word of the Lord. Send me to the darkest places on the earth. Send me to the cities of America. Send me to intercede for America. Holy Ghost, come rest on me right now. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit. For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org. D-A-V-I-D-C-U-P-P-E-T-T dot O-R-G. You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma Magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book, The Key of David, Experiencing the Voice of God, available on Amazon. We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life.